So John uh, 15, 12-14, Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And thus far the reading of God's Word and all God's people said. In order to build a life that matters, you first have to determine what your ultimate authority is. Who's in charge? Are you the boss or is God the boss of you? Is Jesus the Lord of Lords or are you the sole determiner of your destiny? Paul understood the worldview choices. He said in 1 Corinthians 15, If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all, among all people to be most pitied. But of course, the opposite is true. If this life is all there is, then all people are to be pitied because that means this life doesn't matter at all. Not at all. Your tears don't matter. Your joys don't matter. Your children don't matter. Your labor doesn't matter. Because very soon, you will be dead and it will all be over and you will be forgotten forever. Those are the alternatives. Somebody's going to be most pitied. And so I want to make it clear, make a clear point to all of you who profess to follow Christ. This is an all or nothing proposition. All in or not in at all. No toe in the water, no wading in up to the knee. It's all or nothing. Either he is Lord or you are your own Lord. We must resolve before God that we have no problem passages with the Bible. We have some struggles. We have some things we're still trying to understand. We have some questions. Once we know, though, what the Bible says, we need to have settled ahead of time in our hearts not to have any difficulty with what it means for us. This also means that we agree not to have any fancy theological workarounds or excuses for not doing whatever God has commanded us to do. God's Word is our ultimate authority. He defines us and everything else. Our worship, our sexuality, our marriages, our child-rearing, our finances, and any other thing you can think of. Indeed, every area of our lives. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. So, more particularly, that was by way of just laying some groundwork, but more particularly to our text, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So, of course, this is a powerful truth. As Jesus said, said this, he knew that he was on his way to the cross to demonstrate this and, and to become the ultimate example 
of what I'm going to call this morning heroic love. He then says, after he says, greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends, the next thing he says is, you are my friends. Let's back up to verse 12 where Jesus commands us to love one another the same way he loves us. The same heroic love or sacrifice is demanded of the true followers of Jesus. So Jesus is the ultimate superhero. He has called us, he called all of us to follow him in this same kind of heroic behavior. Heroes and heroines are people who live lives that matter. And at the end of the day, or at the end of our lives, I think none of us would mind being thought of by somebody, or several somebodies, as having been heroic. A hero is a person noted for courageous acts of nobility or character. So we might say he became a local hero when he saved a drowning child. Or a person who, in the opinion of others, has special achievements or abilities or personal qualities and is regarded as a role model or an ideal. So someone might say, my older sister is my hero. We tend to think of heroes as those persons who do something larger than life, who risk their lives to save someone from a burning building or throw themselves on a live grenade to save their buddies. And those are examples of heroic acts. My wife and I just finished listening to an audio book titled Fall and Rise, The Story of 9-11. Very powerful. And its pages are full of the stories of heroic people, none of which woke up that day planning on needing to be heroes. But we read about many heroes also and heroines in the Bible itself. In fact, the pages are full of them. Hebrews 11 provides us with a fairly long list of heroes, the heroes of the faith. In addition to Abel, Abraham, and Moses, we read, By faith, the harlot Abraham did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. She acted as a heroine. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of Daniel and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness and obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yet yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Think about Joseph. What did he go through? 
at every turn of the story of Joseph, early, here we have this here in the book of Genesis, early on God giving this picture of this heroic young man, probably a teenager. And wherever he was, whether he was at Potiphar's house, or in prison, or in the palace, and remember when he was in, in when he was sold into slavery, and when he was in Potiphar's house, and when he was in prison, he didn't know yet how the story ended. We have the advantage of getting to read all the way to the end. But at every point, before he he got to the palace, it says, and the Lord was with him. So he's acting faithfully and courageously and doing what's right. And in the end, even though his brothers tried to sabotage that, they intended it for evil. He said, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. God was working through all those circumstances to do amazing things. Then there, of course, David. When his brothers were out fighting wars and great warriors, his older brother Eliab was a tall, handsome man, and he was a teenage boy. He didn't even get invited to the family feast because he had to be out doing the low man's job, faithfully tending to sheep, stinky old sheep, in obscurity. But you know what he was doing while he was out there? He wasn't just wasting time. He wasn't just skipping rocks across the water. He was writing poetry. He was learning to play the harp. He was learning to use a slingshot. He was faithfully doing that menial job that he had been given as the youngest son to care for those sheep because he didn't know it yet, but someday he would be the shepherd of Israel. So he was preparing for the other opportunities God was going to lay on his plate, big things, where he would be heroic in slaying Goliath and in fighting off other enemies and being a king and a shepherd uh, playing the harp, landing him a job in the palace where he learned how the palace operated, which he was going to need to know. See, God was using these things, and he didn't know, but he was being faithful where God put him right then. And that's what God calls us to. Another teenager, another teenager, Daniel, and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, later named Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we read in the scriptures that they purposed in their hearts that they would not defile themselves. And we read that as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And he was preparing them for greater things. We have the servant girl in the house of Naaman. Obscure, we don't know her name. Probably very young maybe 12, 13. And here she is, faithfully serving God in obscurity. Of course, as we've already said, our ultimate hero that's portrayed throughout all the pages of the Bible is Jesus Christ. Heroes and heroines come in many different forms. Men, women, even boys and girls. Every time you practice humility, sacrifice, or courage, you're being heroic, and you're living a life that matters. Every time. You're living a life that imitates Jesus. You are reflecting the Savior. 
Heroic husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And I would point out that in the Bible, love and sacrifice are really synonymous. Somebody loves somebody, then they give up. They give up themselves for the sake of the object of their love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Heroic mothers sacrifice daily for their children. My father and mother are my heroes because every day they humbly served, have served, they're in their 80s now, and have sacrificed, and they did this in the face of great difficulties, which takes real courage. They didn't quit. Let me ask you this. What is it worth to a child to see a father and mother love God and love each other and do their duty every day and keep their promises and deny themselves and to work every day and come home every day? Is that heroic? Greater love has no man. Heroism is all about sacrificing our lives for others. And we can do this slowly or suddenly, publicly or privately. And in every instance, God sees. One of the children's catechisms written. Can you see God? No, but he always sees me. Heroes are saviors. As I mentioned, Jesus is our superhero. Many of you may know this. Um, I had a, a great nephew who passed away unexpectedly at age of 40, and he loved Superman. But he also loved God. He loved the Bible. But everybody who knew him, in fact, he loved Superman so much that they had a Superman cape at his funeral that was over his casket. And I researched Superman. Superman is based upon Jesus Christ. Did you know Superman's mother and father's name? Joseph and Mary. That he came from up above to the earth to bring justice and righteousness. And there are many, many parallels in the story of Superman that are taken from the scriptures to reflect Jesus. And I remember saying at uh, his funeral, um, he's gotten to see the real Superman now. Before Jesus ever went to the cross, though, he was tested. Jesus was a picture of humility, sacrifice, and courage. These are the essential qualities of every hero. Humility, you find humility attractive? Do you prefer humility or arrogance? Which one do you find attractive? It's lovely, isn't it? True humility. Sacrifice, as I said, is just love. And courage, as was mentioned yesterday, is not the absence of fear, but it's doing your duty in the face of fear. We all have scary things that happen. So what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to scary things? Each day, of, each day uh, these are being tested in you. In little ways and big ways. You face choices about whether you'll be humble or proud or selfish or sacrificing or courageous or retreating. These tests come in your relationships to your parents, your siblings, your friends, your neighbors, and strangers. 
And these tests, these daily tests, are usually much harder than we thought they might be. You, your family and friends, and even the world are going to find out what you're made of. That's one of the ways, reasons why when you do begin to date or court, you need some time. You can't find these things out about people suddenly. They come little by little. You need to see people in enough circumstances, interacting with enough people, to find out what they're really made of. To see what their character truly is. Are they heroes? And so what kind of character is underneath the surface? Are you a man or woman of sturdy virtue who can stand up under all kinds of situations? Are you really a new person in Christ who stands apart? Or will the test reveal some fatal flaws? Character or virtue, you see, is a pattern of thinking that runs all the way through someone, all the way to the bone. It's more than veneer or facade. Everybody put on a front, right? It's the opposite of superficiality. Many people present themselves at first glance as humble and sacrificial and courageous, but after you get to know them better, after you see them in action, you come to realize that they were just putting on. Then when they're faced with a real crisis or simply when their guard is down, they are arrogant, selfish, and fearful. By the way, selfishness is the epitome of immaturity. You want to be grown-ups? Stop being selfish. My definition of selfishness is two two-year-olds in a room with one toy. Unfortunately, that, that's, that can be funny, cute, still sinful. But it ain't so funny when you're 25 or 40, or 60. And it's just as childish and just as immature. So if you remember something that if you want to grow up, if you want everybody else to think you're grown up, this is all you got to remember is one word. Selflessness. That's the in Jesus the epitome of selflessness? Isn't he the epitome of maturity? So, you see, when you are suddenly put to the test and you don't have time to think about how you're coming across, your real nature will come out. It's like a cup that's full and it's jostled. Whatever is filling you in those situations will slosh out. If you'll listen to and apply what I'm saying to you today, I'll guarantee you that you will live a life that matters because it will be a Christ-like life. But if you let this lesson go in one ear and out the other, if you don't learn this lesson and learn it well, then all the education and money and recognition in the world will be of no value. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom, and this is no mere platitude. It is the core reality. Now, heroic virtue is not automatic. The qualities of character that Jesus insisted his followers possess as a demonstration of a healthy Christian life don't come about automatically. You have to, the Bible says, add to your faith. You have to develop these heroic virtues. You have to work at them. You have to think about it and make self-conscious choices to allow the Holy Spirit to form your character in ways that seem at first to be awkward and unnatural. 
There are three fundamental steps to develop Christian virtue. First, you have to have the right aim or goal. Second, you have to figure out the steps you need to take to reach those goals. And third, these steps have to become habitual. They have to become second nature. You have an old nature. You need a second nature. You need a new you need new things to be natural to you. Prayer, sacrifice, service, and denying yourself, and courage. Brothers and sisters, it is very important for us to remember that over and over again in the New Testament, we're told that the transformation we're promised at the end of time has already begun in Jesus. We're not waiting to die and go to heaven to have all this happen. If you're in Jesus Christ, it's happening. That's the evidence that you're in Jesus. If it's not happening, then you're not in Jesus Christ. That is the fruit. That is the evidence that God is at work in you to conform you to the image of His Son. That means that the steps we take toward the ultimate goal of Christ's likeness begins right now as well. Ultimately, if you are to be mature, complete in Christ's life, if you're to flourish and find fulfillment and have a life that matters you'll have to self-consciously practice the Christian virtues, virtues like humility, sacrifice, and courage. Those are not all the virtues, but those are the ones we're talking about specifically in regard to being heroes. You'll have to labor to become men and women who don't make excuses, but who do your duty toward God and your neighbor. This will be more than anything else require you to begin by being faithful in little things day in and day out. You can't wait for the big moment to be the big hero. You'll first have to let you first have to be the big man or woman a thousand times in little situations in private when no one's looking but God. Then and only then, when a crisis or a temptation or an opportunity presents itself suddenly, then you'll be ready. Because now it is second nature to you. That's who you are. It's not just what you do. It's who you are. What do, what do most people say when they're on the news and there's been something, oh, you're a hero. Oh, I'm not a hero. And in a way, they're right. They, they didn't get up and say, I think I'll become a hero. You know, I think I'll jump in the phone booth and put on my superhero outfit and become a hero. They just acted. They acted in the moment. And they did the right thing. And that's what you and I need to be. You remember the story of uh, Sully, the airline pilot that landed the plane on the Hudson? And he was an older man. In fact, he was near retirement. But they asked him you know, about how he made these big decisions and saved all these lives and became this hero. And he just said, you know, I've flown a plane thousands and thousands of times. And I just relied upon those habits. If I had to think about all those things in the moment, I couldn't have done it. You have to be a person who chooses over and over again to do things like tell the truth, even when it hurts, even when it's going to get you in trouble. That's what I do. You're honest. When no one's looking, when you could steal, you don't. You always tell the truth. You're ethical in your business dealings. You're honest in your schoolwork. All that matters. This is what will shape you and form a flourishing Christian character. The point of all this is that after you've practiced the Christian virtues, 
of humility, sacrifice, and courage. They become second nature to you. And then you will do things automatically which before you would have struggled to do at all. This is good because if you had to stop and think of what to do in some particular crisis or moral challenge, the moment would have passed and disaster might have struck. So, what are you made of? You've had many opportunities not only to demonstrate the character and virtues you've already developed or failed to develop, but ahead of you there will be opportunities to add and and to strengthen your character and virtues if you will. Will the Lord be with you like he was with Joseph in every circumstance? Will you train in obscurity the habits of Christian virtue like David did? Will you purpose in your heart not to defile yourselves as Daniel and his friends did? I beg of you to give this your full attention. So I'm asking you today to ponder, to consider, to pray about being someone special. A cut above. To live a life that matters. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Hope you have more than one. Somebody you look at and say, I want to be like them. That's my hero. I want you to have a whole bunch of people say that about you. And that starts now. Hopefully it's already started. I'm asking you not to be nominal, but to be phenomenal. To be phenomenal for Christ's sake, to lay down your life for your friends. That will take a self-conscious determination on your part, an awareness that Jesus has called you by name, to serve Him in this perishing world. On 9-11, the Twin Towers were on fire and burning, and people were dying, and others were being heroic and saving them. Some of them were the first responders, some of them were the person at the desk next to it. Well, guess what? This world is burning and collapsing. It's an emergency. And God has put us here to respond We need an awareness that Jesus has called us by name in this perishing world. He's called you and us to focus on some specific task. And he allows us to participate in his big plan. And so he tells his disciples that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You are headed out even today, to go back home, to go to school, to go to work. You're heading out to speak out, but not without Him supplying all your needs. And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. He has given you His Holy Spirit which gives you power and strength to do this to do this heroic job, this is supernatural strength. You're called to do supernatural things. Turn the other cheek. Bless those who curse you. Don't return evil for evil or insult for insult, but a blessing instead. I can't do those things. But He can. And He's given me His Spirit to do those things. This is supernatural strength. He's given you His Word. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You've been given the power and the weapons that you need to be heroes in the world for Christ. And so the question is, will you be heroes and heroines or not? Will you enter this battle and carry His banner wherever you go? The commission of Jesus sent His disciples out to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so you, as we've already mentioned, have to start right where you are. In your foxhole. You must start in your own Jerusalem. And from there we fan out to other places that God sends us. But the call, the task remains the same wherever we are. We are first and foremost witnesses for Christ. Representatives of Christ. And from here... We then go to other places that God takes us or sends us. But the call and the task remains the same wherever we are. We are uh, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. The world may or may not see us act heroically, but God is our audience. And he always sees us, publicly and privately. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. For there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. I am thrilled as I look at you and just what I've seen, and a lot of you have known for a long time. I'm very encouraged to see a room full of heroes and heroines. And I truly believe God's going to do phenomenal things in your lives in your families, with your children. And that's how the kingdom grows. So on those days when you're discouraged and you're struggling and you're facing challenges and you feel alone or feel like it ain't worth it, it is. Keep at it. God sees. And in due time, He will exalt you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. For your word, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the gifts that you give us that enable us to keep those promises. You give us faith. You give us strength. You give us hope. You give us encouragement. You give us everything needed to do what you've called us to do. We love to hear and know that you like to take weak things like us and use them to glorify yourself, to take the things that aren't, to nullify the things that are. So, Lord, we acknowledge that in ourselves we have no strength. We are not only not heroes. We are shaking in our boots. We are frightened and scared and weak. But thanks be that you have given us your Son and the Holy Spirit and your Word and the church and our brothers and sisters in Christ and our families and You've given us so, so much. So fill us with gratitude and boldness as we leave here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 26, And Jesus said to all of them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. We all face daily challenges that test our Christian character. Now it's very important to remember that our virtue, if indeed it is genuine Christian virtue, is there only by the grace of God and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. We have no virtues in ourselves. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so, we look to Him and Him alone to form in us that which is pleasing to Him. Gratitude for His grace is what motivates us. Where there is little or no gratitude for the grace of God, then there will be little or no virtue. We come to the Lord's table with humility. Remembering what we were and what we have become in Christ. We come with gratitude, acknowledging that we need Him to nourish us and to help us. Having come and having feasted on Christ, we go forth to live little by little, bit by bit, knowing that He who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. We leave here to sacrifice ourselves, to lay down our lives for our friends, and to face the world with courage. We long to imitate our superhero, Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, we indeed praise You and give You thanks for all things. Help us, Lord, to have deep, deep gratitude for all the good gifts You've given us. Help us to see more clearly that we are surrounded with your blessings in our families and churches, in our communities, in our work, with children and old people. In every place there are opportunities, Lord, and we pray that you would use us, that we might enter into the joy of service and sacrifice, that we indeed, Father, might be courageous in this world, that we might be heroic. Bless us now as we head home with safety and enthusiasm and fresh commitment. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Receive now the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Amen.